Our scripture reading today is from Acts chapter 16, verse 25 through 40. And our message today is entitled, Imprisoned for the Gospel. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 40. This is the Lord's word. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaking, shaken. And immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent to the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned. Men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. They took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you here today. Good to see those who are online. And I know many people are still traveling during this Thanksgiving week. And we pray for them as we pray for you that during this holiday season, that you would take this opportunity to minister and be a blessing to friends and to family members that perhaps you don't get to see as often uh, as you would like to. The Lord has blessed you with his grace and his mercy. The Lord has shown you that you belong to him and has given you eternity, not so that you yourself can have this internal peace, although that is there. 
but so that you can minister to others. Paul is very, uh, uh, very, very uh, precise about this, that the sorrows that we experience in our world because of the gospel, that the Spirit comforts us and gives us peace. But the peace that the Spirit gives us is not simply just enough for ourselves. God never does that. But the comfort that he gives us always overflows. Always is more than enough. Because God wants you to see that his love for you, that his comfort for you, is more than just day-to-day living. But his comfort for you is so that you can go and be a blessing and comfort others as well. This Thanksgiving season, this Christmas season, this holiday season, we are reminded of how much God has given to us. And so when you see those family members, when you see those friends who you haven't seen in a a while or a long time, don't just grit your teeth and say, well, I just got another, another six weeks to get through. But instead, say, Lord, how can I be a blessing to the people around me? How can I show them the love of Christ that they too may confess the name of Jesus as well? For you see, the people can't know Jesus unless you're there to share Jesus with them. Now, just because you share Jesus doesn't mean they'll actually respond in faith. But they can't respond in faith at all unless you are there to share that good news with them. And in many ways, this is what we see here in our passage today. Paul is in the midst of his missionary journeys. This is his second journey. If you read these passages, Paul's going from place to place, performing many miracles, healing many people. Each story is unique in and of itself because the people are unique, but the pattern's established. Paul goes, Paul preaches the gospel. If there are sick, he heals them. If miracles need to be done, miracles are done. He calls people to repentance and to belief. And he asks people and warns people that without Christ, there is no hope. But with Christ, all is forgiven. And with Christ, life belongs to you. Now, in the course of his his preaching of the gospel, there are people who are against him. People for one reason or another do not want him to succeed or do not want the gospel to go forward. And there are two groups of people. There were the religious people themselves, the, the Jewish people. They don't want Paul to succeed. They don't want this gospel to succeed. 
because if it does succeed, then it's a threat to the temple, a threat to the Jewish religion itself. And so they would send Pharisees and Sadducees and, and religious leaders to, to try to stamp, stomp down or stamp down what Paul was doing, understandably. There was another group of people which were simply the rulers of the day, the governments of the day. And they're always fearful. They're fearful that if you have a mass of people who believe in this Jesus, that perhaps there'll be a political uprising as well. Just like what happened in uh, the early um, first, century, first century BC with the with the with the Maccabean era, there were three generations, three brothers, the, the Maccabees, who were tried to overthrow the Roman government. So you had the government leaders and you had the Jewish leaders who were trying their best not to allow this Christian religion. To develop. And what we see here is that when the gospel goes forth, there will be opposition as well. So Paul here, along with Silas, as they were singing hymns in prison, they understood that they were in prison because of the gospel they were preaching in the gospel they were teaching. And being in prison did not make them sad, did not make them lose hope, but they were glad. Singing unto the Lord Praying unto the Lord, having joy in every circumstance, even in what seems like a perilous circumstance. For they knew they were in prison because they were following their Lord who had saved them. This is an example for you and I. Not many of you will be thrown into prison for the faith that you have. But you will be mocked. You will be set aside. You will be person non grata, persona non grata. If you confess the name of Jesus to other people. And when you do so, there is a sadness about it, but there's also a joy. There's a joy in knowing that you are sharing the greatest news of all to all people, that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. And even if that means you make enemies, and even if that means that people will no longer talk to you, even if that means you're an outcast, you rejoice because you have Christ and Christ becomes sweeter to you and Christ becomes more of everything to you 
and your heart leaps with joy and song and in prayer for what God is doing in your heart. You see, the gospel that is that we have is not the soft, weak news that we sort of simply share with people. This is news about life and death. This is news about punishment and reward. This is news about having peace or being at war with God himself. This is news that people do not want to hear. But we as God's people can't help but to proclaim that Jesus is here to save all. And so the call for us as God's people is to, well, proclaim the good news of God and let the relationships fall where they may and let the world judge us how they may. We cannot manage our relationship with God in such a way that we are trying to manage our relationships with other people so that both of them will not collide or clash. Can't do that. We're here to love the Lord, to declare the goodness of God, and to allow our relationships to fall where they may. You must have joy in that. It's either Jesus, yes, or Jesus, no. It's not Jesus halfway and the world halfway. It's either all Christ or all the world. We know this instinctively, and we, I, I, we always come back to just our relationships with one another. If you are married, being married means simply saying yes to your spouse. But it's more than that. It's yes to your spouse and no to everyone else. It's not semi-yes to your spouse, and then let me try to manage my relationship with other single people of the opposite gender. You don't do that. And in fact, once you get married, your, your relationship with people of the opposite gender changes dramatically, and it should. It should. If it doesn't, there's, there's, there's something, something amiss. Because as a spouse, our joy is to love that, that person that the Lord has given us. And what do we say? We say, well, the other relationships, whatever happens, happens. We'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. But my joy is in the spouse that the Lord has given me. We know that. It's no different with the Lord. When we sing our praises to God and give our heart to the Lord, we say all these other relationships, whatever happens, may it happen. But look at what happens here. Paul and Silas, 
the other prisoners who are, are presumably Christians as well. As they're in jail singing hymns together, this, this great earthquake happens. And as the earthquake happens, the, the foundations of the prison are shaken and, and their shackles come off. And the jailer who was there watching them out of fear was about to, well, kill himself. For if prisoners escaped under his watch, surely he would be put to death anyways. But Paul and Silas and the other believers who were with him, they had something in them that's different than anyone else. They did not care for themselves. They did not care for their well-being. They cared for the gospel. They cared for God's will to be done. They cared for the people who are around them, that they too may know the Lord as well. So they didn't escape. Their minds and their hearts look at the prison, look at the, the, the guard, the prison guard, and their immediate reaction was simply, we're here, don't kill yourself. We're here. What good? What focus of goodness these Christians have. They were there to love and to share the good news. And even at this point, the jailer, they didn't share the gospel with the jailer, at least at this time. They didn't say to the jailer, listen, come to know God or else we're going. It's just that we're all here. But don't be mistaken. That jailer heard them sing, heard them pray, heard their hearts, heard how they, they acted in prison, heard how they related to one another, heard the words of the gospel. And the guard simply said, what must I do to be saved? There are many, many stories that we have about Christians who are imprisoned, who simply share the gospel with those that imprison them. Probably for many of us here who are Korean, Korean American, we, we know the story of Kenneth Baer, who was imprisoned in North Korea. Uh, he used to be, worked at NCA, New Church in Atlanta for a while. But he, he went there and he was imprisoned. Um, Dennis Rodman helped get him out, if you know who he is. Um, but he shares stories of sharing about America and sharing about the gospel. Yeah, he, was, he, was, he wasn't very healthy. But there's a joy in knowing that I'm imprisoned not because I stole something, not because I'm, 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 I broke a law, but I'm prison because I'm my savior. 
we have these stories of Christians who are in prison in, in Russia and, and Christians who've been in prison in, in Africa, Christians who've been in prison all over the world because of the gospel. And there's a clarity. I belong to God himself. And there's a clarity that the people around me need to hear the good news of Christ himself. And so the, prison, the, the, the guard asked, what must I do to be saved? And they said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And that very night, by God's grace and God's mercy, they and the whole household were baptized in the Lord. And they rejoiced, not because their lives were spared, not because, their, uh, not because their father's life was spared, not because the guard himself's life was spared, but because they knew God. And again, opportunities abound. When the gospel is the center of your life, opportunities abound. Not simply when things are going right, but when things, things seem, to go, seem to be drastically going wrong. Opportunities abound. Now again, this is only one story. There are many, many stories not here in Scripture of, of Paul, and, and, Paul and, 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 and other missionaries who, who will preach the gospel and people turn a deaf ear and walk away. There are many, many stories of that. But in order for you to have that one story, or hopefully a handful of stories of people coming to know Christ through your love, through the way you behave, through the way that you pray, through the songs that you sing, in order for you to have that opportunity, you've got to live like that person who knows Christ. And then they'll ask you, what must I do to be saved? Besides your own salvation, there is no greater joy than watching someone come to you and say, I've seen the way that you, you live. You don't live like us. I thought all Christians were judgmental, but you, you actually love Jesus and you love people. I thought all Christians were just party poopers, but you enjoy life. I thought all Christians were just in college or in work just to earn a paycheck, but you actually care for the people around us. Can you tell me what makes your Christianity and your God different from what I've experienced in the past? I'm telling you, there's no greater joy than saying, let's sit. Here's a Bible. Let's read. 
Let me answer your questions. Come to church with me. This same Savior can be yours as well. There's no greater joy than to see someone come to know the Lord by your hands. Not by anything that you've done, not because you're smarter, not because you, you can argue better, but just because you, you just live the life of Christ. Storms may come, storms may pass, but you are singing hymns unto the Lord. And all is good in your life because God is good to you. This is the example that, that Paul gives us in the book of Acts that he gives us in his letters. This is not an extraordinary life. This is a normal Christian life. This is a life of not someone who, if I can use today's parlance, not someone who identifies as a Christian, but this is a testimony of someone who is a Christian. Not someone who simply identifies with the, the, the morals and the lifestyles of a Christian, but someone who knows Jesus and is loved by Jesus. Because if you simply identify, there's no way that anything that's happening in this passage makes sense to you. There's no way. It only makes sense to the, the person or to the people who know Jesus and who have been loved by Jesus. Christ himself has said to us and warned us that the prophets were persecuted before you. You too, it's Matthew chapter 5, you too rejoice when people persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you on account of me. Great is your reward in heaven. This is what God has called you to. And here's what happens when we as a church and we as God's people live like this. When we see the world becoming smaller and smaller to us, we magnify God's grace and love for us more and more. It becomes clearer to us that Christ is what CCPC loves, who CCPC loves. It becomes clearer to the world and the people who come here that this church is not about Christian lifestyle per se or identification with Christian morals, but this church is about singing to a Savior and singing to the one who has redeemed us. So brothers and sisters, this is the good news for us. This is what Christ has done for us. We walk with the Lord and we rejoice in the Lord for he himself 
has rescued all of us. Let us pray. Lord, we are imprisoned for the gospel. And we see that in two ways. One, that there will be people who are against us. So be it. But we are also imprisoned by the gospel in the sense that your, your spirit has a hold of us. For many of us here, we know that we cannot not follow you. We cannot not give our lives to you. We cannot not say that we belong to you, Lord God. We know, Lord, that even though we want to run far away from you at times, you always pull us back. For that is how firm your grace and your love for us is. For we know that our salvation does not depend upon our upon us, but solely depends upon you and your sovereign grace. And so help us as God's people, Lord, not to fight you, but to simply live in obedience and in accordance with your scripture. For we know, Lord, in you and you alone is life. There is no life anywhere else, Lord God. Father, I know that many of us here, Lord, we, we have, as the holiday seasons come, we know, Lord, that there are always going to be family issues, relatives, friends, and all that stuff that arises, Lord. Help us never to be overwhelmed, Lord God. But teach us, Lord Jesus, to, to pray these things up to you. And give us wisdom, Lord, in how to love in such a manner, Lord God, that brings glory to you as well. Father, we are not God. Only you are. We do not know what your kingdom should look like in our lives or in the life of this church. Only you do, Lord God. But we do know, Lord, that you are always for us, never against us. That whatever path that you have laid down for us is a path of goodness and graciousness for us. So, Lord, help us, Lord, to say yes to you. To be willing, Lord God, to be imprisoned by the gospel. To be imprisoned by your love, your peace, your hope. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.